Tuia irunga, tuia iraro, karongo te pō, karongo te ao i te kōrero, i te wānanga, haumie, huie, taikie. This week on The Hui. A bitter dispute over an iconic wakahodua is threatening to become a legal stoush. What do you do with people that won't talk to you? And data shows rheumatic fever numbers have risen to pre-COVID rates. Medical anthropologist Annika Anderson joins us in studio to discuss this deadly disease. Plus, age is nothing but a number. We meet the koro from Fielding, who has proven it's never too late to learn your deal. Ngā mate o te wā e piki ki runga i ngā waka wairua o koutou mātua tūpuna i te pōhara mai. Haere, tātou e hāpai ake ana i ngā manako o rātou māti he wa mauri ora ki a tātou katoa. And welcome back to The Hui. The waka haurua Tairāwhiti was created as a celebration of Māori and Polynesian sea voyaging history. A dream brought to life by Gisborne-based waka haurua expert Aturangi Nepia Clamp. But this waka is now caught in stormy waters with with concerns about its management and upkeep. Mia nei te purongo, a John Boynton. An iconic wakahaurua, bringing traditional sea voyaging mā tauranga to te tairāwhiti. It began with a desire to do something in my lifetime to enhance waka voyaging. Now the subject of a bitter dispute. We aren't allowed on board the waka, and that hurts us. Is enough room there for two of us. It's really disheartening. It was a dream that began 33 years ago with this waka prowl. So the dream was always to bring wakahaurua here to Tairawhitu. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That was a very strong dream of mine. When I was carving this, the ancestors gave me that dream and pretty much told me that's what you got to do, boy. So that's what I did. When you look at this tauihu, what does it represent for you? It's a powerful statement of our voyaging ancestors, what they were able to achieve exploring, discovering and settling the largest ocean in the world. The Wakahaurua or double-hulled canoe is at the centre of Polynesian migration. They would travel from Aotearoa back to the Pacific and it was just like their normal route. Te Aturangi is a Wakahaurua navigator and builder. This was their highway back to the Pacific. In 1992, he was a crew member on the Wakahaurua Te Aurere. Led by the esteemed waka navigator Sir Hick Busby, they sailed from Aotearoa to Rarotonga. A voyage which reignited traditional Polynesian navigation. Then, at the dawn of the millennium, he led a waka flotilla here in Te Tairawhiti. We had 22 waka being sailed and paddled out of the sunrise, and that image um, went worldwide to 1.6 billion people. But he could never shake the dream his ancestors first gave to him. A desire to enhance waka voyaging. 
What Atarangi has always had really, he's had the passion. And when he spoke to us about it, you could feel his passion coming through. That's why there was never any hesitation in giving him the support. In 2011, Te Aturangi started to put together his plan to build a waka haurua for the people of Te Tairawhiti. It's important to remember that you can't do anything by yourself. People need each other in order to make something happen. Together with his supporters, Te Aturangi formed the Tairawhiti Voyaging Trust. How much funding did you need to secure to, to build the waka? Over a million dollars, and we were able to achieve that with fundraising. In 2016, the build for the 72-foot waka haurua began. As the CEO, it was my job to deliver, really, to make sure that the waka build stayed on track. After a year, the build was complete. The highlight of any waka is seeing it coming down the skids, seeing it entering the water. And in 2017, that vision came to life when the waka haurua Te Tairawhiti first sailed into the waters of Tūranganui Akiwa. The life of a waka begins when it's launched and it's sitting in Tangaroa and they become one. And in no time, the waka was up and running, becoming a floating classroom for local schools. It wasn't a matter of, of um, coming for a ride. It was a matter of getting your hands um, into it and, and pulling lines and learning how to sail the waka. And also an award-winning tourism venture. You've got huge trees, 30 people holding hands around a tree, and then you've got chickens a nine foot high, can feed a whole village. And that tourism offering that we developed achieved gold qualmark status, the first and only gold qualmark that has been awarded to a Gisborne tourism offering. We had volunteers that were coming every weekend happy to do the maintenance, become part of a voyaging family. Today we're meeting with some of the Komatua who've become a part of his voyaging whānau. Yeah. I went for a ride and um, that was the ride of my life. There were some gang members down on the wharf and they were looking over the fence and asking us about the waka and, and Teatu says, Haramai, and brought them on board and they were just overwhelmed with the stories of how our tipuna had sailed here. But memories are all they have for now. There's a saying about sailors, when you get salt in your veins, you really need to be on the ocean. They haven't been able to set foot on the waka for three years. In 2020, Te Atsurangi no longer had confidence in the Tairawhiti Voyaging Trust. I disagreed with the way that the trust was being operated, just with a very narrow focus on school education. It's for all people of the Tairawhiti who are interested in this kaupapa. He stepped down from his role as chief executive. Te Aturangi says since he left the trust, he hardly ever sees Te Tairawhiti out on the water. Instead, it spends most of its time sitting in a marina. There's a whole lot of people that are waiting for the opportunity to get on the waka. Te Atsurangi, along with former crew members and komatua, set up another trust, the Waka Voyaging Trust. Although they have no rights in the waka haurua, they hoped to work together with the Tairawhiti Voyaging Trust, who still retain full ownership. We've asked for board-to-board -board meetings for two and a half years now to collaborate, to share our skills, knowledge and resources. But Te Aturangi says all requests to meet have been ignored. 
quê nữa thì chỉ cần ngồi tập mà đi, cano ấy thì cano ấy, và cái tao cái tao ngã, ngã ngã, áo vàng áo vàng ấy luôn cái tép, anh à, mẹ cô rồi, tay tao tay. Every month for two and a half years, I've hosted uh, this corridor, and uh, enough is enough as far as I'm concerned. People in the community just can't believe it. They can't believe that a Māori crew aren't allowed on a Māori waka. Since Te Aturangi left, there's been a number of overseas skippers on the waka. It was being operated by a Spanish skipper. Tairawhiti Voyaging Trust have passed over three or four Māori skippers that we have available. This is a Māori kaupapa. Some have said to me, well, maybe it's a modern-day version of colonisation. I don't know, is it? I can see, just from here, I can see different parts of the waka that need maintenance. Today, Te Aturangi and his former crew are visiting Tairawhiti at its berth at Gisborne Marina. You know, it breaks your heart to see a waka that we've, we've really spent a lot of time and energy and wairua just being neglected like this. So you can see the mast needs sanding and um, varnishing. Te Aturangi says they've volunteered to maintain the waka for free. You can see various parts of the waka that clearly are standing out as being damaged and uh, weather-beaten and not maintained. It's shameful. We've put so much love into our waka. The Waka Voyaging Trust has sought legal advice to gain access to the waka. And we didn't want to, but what do you do with people that won't talk to you? Does it feel disrespectful? To our waka, yes, most definitely. We've sought an interview with the Tairawhiti Voyaging Trust in response to the concerns raised by Te Aturangi and the Waka Voyaging Trust. However, they've declined to be interviewed, nor have they provided any statement to us. In response to a legal claim made by the Waka Voyaging Trust, they say as a community-funded organisation, they are aware of its responsibility to use funds to benefit the community as directly as possible. Its trustees are confident they are acting within the legal and moral obligations of its stakeholders. A lengthy court battle could be on the cards. If Tairawhiti Voyaging Trust are viewing this, meet with us, please. Let's come up with a plan to get our waka haurua kaupapa back online. A waka which came to life from the dreams of his ancestors. It's about the kaupapa, which is bigger than all of us, and we have to keep that in mind. This was started with our ancestors. We're simply just carrying it on. And our thanks to Norm Hecke Productions for the use of their documentary footage in John Boynton's story. Tarokau i hoana e ngai what's behind the worrying surge in rheumatic fever cases? I'll be joined in studio by Dr Annika Anderson to find out why it's a disease that hits Māori hard.
Rheumatic fever is a disease that's rare in most wealthy countries. But in Aotearoa this year, rates of this seriously debilitating illness are rocketing up, particularly amongst young Māori. Dr. Annika Anderson, Hildi no Kaitahu no Kati Mamoi, is a senior lecturer at the University of Auckland and specialises in Māori health and joins me now. Thank you so much for your time. Okay, give us the numbers. How badly have cases of rheumatic fever risen this year? Kia ora, Julian. It's um, a bit pody ready. We've got 85 cases that have been reported um, from ESR um, in the last six months. So that was from January to June this year. How does that compare to last year or in the most recent? Well, we had 38 cases all of last year and these 85 are just for the last six months. So we're not tracking well at all. What is the cause for this rise in numbers? Yep. Oh, it's complicated. I wish I could just say, you know what, it's due to this. Yeah. But I think ultimately we've got a number of intersecting inequities for Māori and Pacifica. Um, we look at rheumatic fever, we've got a cost of living crisis, um, we've got a housing issue in Aotearoa, New Zealand, we've got huge issues with accessing primary health care. And I think underlying all of this, we've got this systemic racism for Māori and Pacifica um, that's impacting living, um, that's impacting income, that's impacting quality housing, education, and all of this is coming together at the moment. And we're seeing this quite prominently um, with a number of health outcomes, including rheumatic fever. So you would have heard some political parties who do not support the idea of prioritising Māori, uh, Pacifica, over the rest of Aotearoa, if I can put it in those ways. And obviously I'm paraphrasing there. So what's your response to that? Can we deal with these, this rise in numbers if we don't prioritise? If we don't prioritise, we're going to see those numbers increase. And I'd say that attitudes like that is what's killing our tamariki and our rangatahi. I mean, the reality is a one-size-does-not-fit-all. We've got a colonial-designed healthcare system at the moment that's not working for Māori. We saw that with COVID. Once we get Māori providers working with Māori communities, we saw a difference, and we'll see that with rheumatic fever. So we have to have Māori-led initiatives for Māori, and I imagine for Pacifica too. This one health for everyone, I think, is just blatant racism, because we know that one health here is for Pākehā, and that's not going to benefit our mokopuna. You mentioned COVID. What impact, if any, has COVID had on the rise in rheumatic fever cases now? Yeah, it's really hard to tell that because what we didn't see through COVID was whānau being able to present, say, to school health systems where they get their throat swabbed mm. because tamariki weren't at school. And with the differential diagnosis, if you had a sore throat, you had a COVID test, you didn't have a swab. Um, that could see whether you had strep or not, which is a precursor to rheumatic fever. So I think we're getting delayed presentation and access to healthcare through COVID, and we were expecting perhaps to have a little bit of a rise from that. But in saying that, we're also not getting tamariki at school where there could be transmission, and we also had masking up and washing hands. So it's quite complex to actually find out what was happening through COVID on rheumatic fever. Okay. What are or where are the communities, the hotspot communities for rheumatic fever? Yes, sadly, when we look at the numbers, over half the numbers are in Tamaki Makoto here in Auckland and um, particularly in counties Manukau. And we've seen that historically has been very strong. Uh, the latest data is also showing that Wellington 
is very high at the moment, highest rates than what we've seen. Uh, also for Waikato um, and Bay of Plenty. High Māori population numbers, high Pacifica population numbers. Can I come back to the point that you made earlier? And you made a direct challenge, I think, to politicians here. Aye. Uh, about their approach in terms of their health policy and dealing with issues like this. Can we deal with this issue in the way in which we've seen a political response to other issues, actually? Yeah, well, I think the way we deal with health really shows where our values and priorities lie. I think if we had a whole lot of Pākehā children in Remuera dying of an infectious disease, we'd see huge political campaigns and resourcing into it. But we're not dealing with that. We're dealing with Māori and Pacifica tamariki. So I think... Um, Looking at local politics at the moment, we're seeing that housing crisis could be impacted greatly if we're going to let foreign investment come in. Uh, if we have a one health for everyone, that's also going to have really deficit impact. So I think that we should be really concerned at the moment over what's happening in politics for the health of our tamariki. Yeah, this is an election year, right? And it seems to be the cost of living is the main issue here. Why is rheumatic fever not one of the big hot-button issues that is being talked about politically at the moment, do you think? I think it's because we're looking at who is affected. It's brown tamariki. As I said before, that would be my widow that I'm throwing out. Um, when you're going to develop drugs and you want to make a profit, you need people who can purchase drugs. So it's not going to be profitable to target drugs for populations that perhaps don't have the economic advantage that we're seeing with rheumatic fever. Mm. You, you've made it very clear. And that's, that's a direct challenge, actually, to a lot of people who may not agree with you on the point that prioritisation is the way to deal with this particular issue. But what you're saying is that without the political will and action, more rangatahi, more brown kids will die. Absolutely. What do you say to people who would say that, that it, you know, prioritisation isn't the way to do this? I'd say show me the evidence, show me the data. I mean, we've got years and years and years to show that a one-size-fits-all disadvantages Māori. Okay. Um, we've also got evidence to show that a for-Māori, by-Māori approach advantages Māori. And the Rheumatic Fever Roadmap that was launched in June of this year, uh, talk to us about that and is that working? Yeah, so what I like with the roadmap is it's really comprehensive. I think it's the first roadmap we've got that looks at these key structural issues that we're talking about. It talks about the systemic racism that we have in Aotearoa and addressing that. It talks about addressing housing. It talks about addressing sectors outside of the healthcare uh, sector. So I think given time and investment, that could work. But as you said, it's a political year and we don't know what's going to happen. Dr. Annika Anderson, Tenakwe. Tenakwe. That was, of course, Dr. Annika Anderson. Stay with us. Thousands of adults across Aotearoa are embracing the opportunity to learn to do Māori. But it's not always easy, especially if you are older. That's why Paulie Hillman, who took up study in his late 50s, is an inspiration.
Kia whakangungua rā koe, ki te whakadua kākā, kia mau iā koe ko tō tātou reo, hei oranga reo, hei oranga tangata nohoki. Learning te reo Māori is a hard road for everyone, but for those picking up the language later in life, it's even tougher. Tūhoe e Ngāti Raukawa kaumātua Paulie Hillman waited five decades until he took the plunge. Working nights at the meatworks and with the support of his manai, he recently graduated with a Bachelor of Te Reo Māori. Mediana Johnson sat down with this humble rangatira. Every weekend you'll find Paulie Hillman here. Tending to his tūranga waiwai, taumato te rā marae. It's a wonderful thing, you know, your love for your marae. It's a laborious job, taking five hours to do all the lawns and gardens, but it's his way of giving back. My love and my thoughts have grown for my marae, for things Māori. Like so many of his generation, he grew up without his culture. We grew up, in my view, it's a normal family living in the Pākehā world, loving being in the Pākehā world. As we grew into young men and had our own families, we sort of drifted away and did our own things. You know, I have to honestly say, I didn't make time to go to those things. It took almost 50 years until he was finally given the push to go for it. My whole journey starts with um, boy Jaden saying to me when I come back from Australia after living there for 20 years, saying to me, Dad, will you learn the real for us, your kids and your mokos? And I, I remember sitting there and I, we were having a kai together and I was just quite taken back by that and I, I, I didn't know what to say, and, but I said, yep, yep. Jaden, why was it so important for you, for your dad to learn te reo Māori? Well, I thought if he was to learn, then it would make, you know, myself, my brother and sisters and, and all our family, you know, gravitate back to the marae, you know. Those are all our children there. Jaden and his siblings felt the weight of being disconnected from Tao Māori. You know, like, we'd come back from overseas and attend tangis and you feel like a little bit plastic, you know, like you'll come back and I'll be there and I was thinking, you know, I hope my dad one day, you know, will be able to stand on the marae or, you know, to uphold our mana. So Paulie began his journey to learning his whakapapa and reo alongside his cousin, Kim Tane. He was my inspiration. We were both returning to our marae with the understanding that it was our marae. Our mum and dads loved the samurai, our nanny and kurals were part of the samurai, so we were just starting our journey back. And tragically, my cousin, he died on his Harley. Mm. It was very hard, it still is. In spite of this mamai, he stayed true to his promise. Oh, I will carry on for my cousin. Always having my cousin close in my heart with things that I do now. And so it began. Oh, I didn't know if I could do it, you know. He joined Hekepautua Rongo Reo, a full immersion Te Reo Māori program at the Wānanga o Raukawa. For the first year, he was pretty quiet. I te wāua i kai ahau, kaore e te turuki, Nā te mea kā kōri o te tangata ki ahau i roti i te Reo Māori, kā kai. And in his classes, he was also struggling. 
i te nuinga o te wā, i ki mai i te ratau oku pūkinga. Kei te marama pōli. Kao. But as teachers backed him. I ki mai oku pūkinga i te wānanga o Raukawa, kaua e whakamā, he tino kōrero, patua te tani whā whakamā. Head of learning a new language in his late 50s wasn't hard enough. After clocking out of the classroom, it was straight to the meatworks. This is my bread and butter. Cutting up carcasses into the early hours of the morning, a lot of people couldn't stomach it. It's hard work, but you know, you got to do it. I was tired a lot, getting up, having a shower at 6.30, heading off down to the Wananga at 7. What was the thing that kept driving you? That down the line for my children in Bukupuna, that there would be something I could share, not tell them, definitely not tell them, but share with them. His determination was recognised by head pūking of Te Reo at Te Wānango Raukawa, Angie Stretch. E haerere mai ana, ka hoki atu ia te rā, ao te pō, ia te wiki, ia te mārama mo te rua tau. Ka ngingi āhau te mātakitaki atu i te karauara. Engari ia, he tū whakaiti, he tū rangatira. And eventually his hard work paid off. I didn't think with his learning that it'll go as big as it has gone. Like he's inspired all of us on our own uh, real journey and our own journeys into our Māori. No Ngāti Raukawa a Paul Craig Hillman. He's given our family more mana. Ngāri, he hairinga mutunga kore. This is a journey with no end. My journey's just started. You know, ahako he karaua hau, you know, ono te kaumātahi o kutau, he pēpe hau i rotu i te reo Māori, mi ona tikanga. Katau anō koe kaoro kōrero mō tō tāwane karaua nā pukapuka. He's now turning his attention to learning his ngāti mano mano whakapapa from his cousin, Gerald Twumi. Paku taku āwhina iāia, paku noi honi. He manawa titi tō taku tuakana nei mō te reo, te whai te reo Māori. And there's still more whakapapa to be learned. There's a whole new world on my father's side. So that's another journey, uh, a, a massive journey. Kei te hia kai koe, Kel? He's leading by example and laying down the wero for his mukupuna. Mena kātai a koko, a koro rānei, kātai e kautai. Coming up next week on the Hui. He kaupapa i tīmata he whātakau tau ki muri. Tēnō pirangi ana te Māori o tauawa ki te noho Māori, ki te tū Māori. Nā re, hia kai ana rātou mō i nā mātara. Ko te wharetū taua, he wāhi ako i ngā āhuatanga o te maurākau. Mahi tahi au me ngā toa maurākau o te arawa o te nōtao o te teira āwhiti me rātū wāhi. I ako tātau i a tātau. Ko ngā pāwano tuairangi ngā karono tuainaku ngā karotaua pāwahare ngā te tino kai o te wharetū taua. Hoano i te mutunga iho ko te wharetū taua he matapihi ki te ao Māori. Engari ka tai ki roto 
katahi ka whāngai atu rātou reo tikanga whakapapa mimi whaikōrero. He mātauranga nōna matā e ora tunu nei kei ngā rā o ana matā. You'll find links to our stories on our social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube, or at newshub.co.nz. Kia mou, ki te tūranga o tapatapuāte, haumie, huie, taikie. Nā te puna whakatonga rewa, te hui i tautoko.